You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with Always. Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 1993 classic Fire in the Sky. Which may strike you as not a horror movie, but wow. Okay, we're going to make a whole episode about three fucking minutes of footage, basically. (laughs) Basically? Yeah. Basically... When we were talking about wanting to, this this film came up in one of our uh, jam sessions mm-hmm. where we're just uh, we like to make sure that we have a, a good clear grasp at least five, if not more episodes ahead, just to to know where we're at. Um, some because sometimes you know in this case you know we need to prepare a little bit, get the movie, know where we can find it, and all that kind of shit. Thankfully, these days that's made pretty easy, but. We just like to have a clear-cut path to where we're going. And um, we, you, I think, brought up science fiction horror. Yeah, and that we haven't covered enough of it. We both really like it. But what other titles are other than than Alien? Alien, and and I think we tossed around shit like Event Horizon, and we tossed around shit like... The Abyss. The Abyss, and, and, and that kind of shit. But for some reason, one of us mentioned Fire in the Sky, and it might have been you, but... I immediately perked up at that because, again, it's not totally classically a horror movie, but I cannot deny that this movie, when I saw this movie in 1993, maybe 1994, depending on when it became available for rent, because I didn't see it in the theater, this movie scared the fucking shit out of me. Yeah, it scared the shit out of me, too. I had... and, And really, really horror... Is where you find it and where you can, it, it, like you have said before eloquently, that it, it's a feeling, right? There's no clear cut, um, you know, check the boxes. Okay, this is a horror movie. You can make a lot of strong arguments for boxes that can be checked for horror. Homeward Bound can be a horror movie if you like animals that much. <laughs> They're lost, but then they found me and they talk. It's weird. <laughs> but. We both settled on Fire in the Sky for the first thing that we were going to do. And it seemed like a fucking good idea at the time. And after, and we both, you and I had not watched this movie since we were fucking young. Yeah, exactly. Basically, since it came out. Yeah. Right? And yeah. it was one of those jam sessions, as you say, where <laughs> we got talking about how we were excited talking about this. We were very, looking forward to recording this once we decided to. And part of it is arranging where it's going to fit and those threads that we weave from sorry sorry so we were in a cabin in the woods and now we're in the woods getting abducted mm-hmm. and then after this we're going to cover dark skies so we're yeah. going to get even like a little more scary a little more contemporary but this is a true story so that really hooked us and i think it hooked us even more when we we're kids and we're both as much as we are horror fans and we do like the paranormal and do follow like ufos in, in a fringe sort of interest, an abduction, a straight-up abduction 
scared us. Both of us went and read a lot of the nonfiction stuff surrounding not only this case, but abductions and UFOs as it is. We're both probably candidates for MUFON. (laughs) Or were when we were kids. (laughs) We were those kids. And it's funny, I was thinking about it. um, You know, as a kid, and I can't speak for you, but I have a pretty good grasp on your personality. And so I think we're on the same page. As she pushes up her glasses and adjusts her pen protector. (laughs) That we were both kids that didn't really give a whole hell of a lot of fucks about what anyone really thought about our interests. But damned if we didn't like to share. And and, um, I was in the mindset, I was that weird fucking kid that liked ufos and fucking classic monsters and cryptids you probably know what an ogopogo is (laughs) wow not many people do (laughs) so and anytime that there was like a character in any movie that was like dusty bifocals fucking cardigan books and papers and you know pulling out it's like the Mothman, you say? Yes. Or some like legend has it. Or talking about the fucking Pine Barrens. Like, I was there. And I was totally fucking into it. And, and I mean, I'm talking about taking a vested interest in the Travis Walton case. Um, in, in this, in, it, it captured people's imaginations, uh, my young imagination in particular, the same way that um, the abduction of uh, Betty and Barney Hill uh, captured my imagination like that's that's uh, for people who aren't familiar that is the first widely publicized uh and documented ab- documented alien abduction story and uh, and i was just watching endless documentaries um our wa- excitement over whitley Strieber's story yes communion uh one of the first books that i ever got through um and it was really important that i got through that book because i wasn't a strong reader as uh, i'm pretty sure you're aware uh, I didn't read until I didn't learn how to read until I was a lot older. They didn't have audiobooks back then. <laughs> didn't have audiobooks back then, and I didn't have a grasp on my uh, learning disabilities. So again, these stories about aliens and fucking shit—that cover of Communion s- scared me. I was afraid of being abducted by aliens, and I think my love of ufos and cryptids and and ghost stories and horror was all about just being a fear junkie always just not wanting to be scared thinking you don't want to be scared but then doing things that i knew scared me and reading about all of these real life abduction cases that's all i took out at the library that and Books Jack, and- no, Jack, Jack the Ripper. I mean, <laughs> yeah. With me, it was Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Oh, so much Jack the Ripper. But that's like, so that speaks to kids reading comic books, you know, let them read anything that will make them read. And your mom was probably overjoyed. Like, oh my God, not only did he get through this pretty thick tome that is fairly dry when you think about it, like mm-hmm. terrifying the communion story, but then forced you to check out like 10 other books. Following the Walton case, you're checking out other books. You're reading his book on his account, but it's reading, right? Yeah. And so what if you're going to read, you know, mysteries of the, the Ogopogo or, or whatever as a kid, it's exciting that you're reading, right? Yeah. And it helps for both of us, I think, that our moms were driving forces with all this because they didn't shy away from the supernatural, the odd, unexplained UFOs, things like that. They had their own interest in that, too. So we could look as far as our mom's bookshelves, probably, for half of this stuff. And mm-hmm. they encouraged, or at least didn't stop us from reading more on these crazy, weird things. Being a cryptid kid. 
Yeah, just like I said, anytime that there was any fucking documentary, anytime that there was any mention of it, anytime that there was a movie that would possibly have that subject matter in it, I was all over it, like stink on a monkey. Like Cocoon. Me and my mom watched Cocoon, and I thought it was a horror movie until like 10 years later, I went to watch it with her again, and she was looking at me cockeyed because I was excited, and I didn't know it wasn't a horror movie. Because it had scared me when I was a kid, right? Mm-hmm. So the same way this scared me, but this is still up there in in terror. Even the initial encounter is terrifying, even though you don't see a hell of a lot. The, the acting in this is very, very good. So it sits in line with how I imagined it. Now, have you ever had any sort of UFO experience? Or? I've never had anything that could be remotely considered even uh, kind of a UFO experience. The, uh, there have been instances where I've got some ghost stories. Yeah, yeah. I got some. I got some spooky stuff. No though. ball lightning. No. Uh, we saw a really cool meteor. There was a meteor shower um, a couple weekends ago. I guess it would be the last weekend you and I sat down and recorded. It was Ooh. quite a meteor shower that could result in fireballs, and we did see something falling from the sky. But mm. that doesn't count as an unexplained phenomenon because right away I looked to see, hey, are there any meteor showers? And that was Chris's first guess too. And that's probably exactly what we saw because mm. that, or in this day and age, we can be like, oh, it's space junk. Yeah, because <laughs> there is a shit. lot of space, space junk. Yeah, space station shit. There was that thing they blew up and is falling down and fireballs in the sky. It's a little more normal, a little more explained. True. Uh, thanks to information. But my mom had, my mom and dad had a very profound UFO experience years ago, years and years ago before I was born. Them and a bunch of friends we're going from one friends to another in the countryside in a truck and there was a lot of them in the back of the truck and in the back of the truck they also had big spotlights for spotlighting deer i don't know whose truck it was i'm not getting anyone in trouble but whoever it was was spotlighting deer or was made a hobby of it they were barreling down this country road and saw something in the sky not unlike what they saw in this in this film and then they saw a, a disc shaped flashing light thing following them down the road in the sky and they had thought at first there must have been some other explanation for the the grand show of lights, but this thing in the sky must be just an airplane or something. Um, but then it stopped and it hovered over them when they reached another house. And then it zoomed back down the road away from them and then back to them again, sort of enticing them to follow it. So they're like, well, let's drive back and follow it, whatever. This is strange. This is before people had like drones and stuff because... Nowadays, you could probably explain this away to a certain extent. Like, somebody has some crazy drone with big lights on it, and they're fucking with us. But at the time, half of them were probably thinking, oh, my God, it's a UFO. Let's follow it. Yeah. Not unlike Travis Walton. Not that he was willingly being like, hey, it's a UFO. Let's, let me get abducted and terrorized and destroy my friends' lives. Just, oh, my God, it's a UFO. I'm not going to pass this chance up. Mm-hmm. So they had followed it down the road in their truck. And it was flashing, and it, they'd flash back with these big lights that they had in this truck. And then it would zoom back up the road. And the speed that it was going was quite amazing. It was sort of like blink and you'll miss it sort of speed. And then they'd see it again way up the road. And it zoomed back and forth up and down the road for a little bit. And then it seemed to get tired of them, and it fucking zoomed off. Very, very strange. And they were 
they were shocked and taken aback and a little bit scared, but for the most part, they had this feeling that whatever it was was playing with them. So it wasn't like a scary thing. They weren't mm. terrified, but it did weird them out enough that they called uh, a few phone numbers. And apparently, the Canadian government does collect UFO information. So they were for- bounced around through a few phone calls and late at night, too, because they'd originally called the police and then the police. Bounce them to the RCMP, the RCMP bounce them to the armed forces. And there is a base in North Bay because it's part of the NATO uh, system. And like Cheyenne Mountain, North Bay is sort of like the Cheyenne Mountain of Canada. And the next day there were some army dudes in the backyard. Like not the backyard, but like there's a field behind them. And they were like, hey, are you here because we called? And they're like, we don't know. And they like, it was sort of don't ask, don't tell sort of conversations that they were having with these army people the next day. And no one really interviewed them necessarily, or there was nothing that really came of it. And then a few days later, there was an article in the paper about their incident, even though no one had really talked to anyone. It was very strange. It was all very strange. I don't have the clippings on me. My sister has them, but yeah. So that was my mom's UFO incident. Mm, That's a very interesting story. No one got abducted. No one got abducted. No one got abducted. They played cat and mouse with flashing lights in the sky. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I'll have to show you these clippings. I would love to see these clippings. Yeah. I'm almost like getting out my dusty bifocals and I know, getting right? all ready to you know, have a library scene. Years and years and years later, me and my mom had a little bit of a falling out because she was going on about this story. And I guess the look on my face said to her, I didn't believe her. And she said, what? You don't believe me? And I was like, well, I believe that you believe what you saw. And that was enough. That was like, I had condemned myself forever to being a non-believer. Oh, wow. So even though I have no problem with saying yeah there's definitely probably something out there my mom would not hear it she'd be like oh no no you're no you you believe that i believe and she'd make a big thing about it oh so, yeah. yeah jesus christ you basically like in terms of you know a ufo enthusiast or a cryptid uh enthusiast anything like that you you have a, a title of your own missy <laughs> Sk- Skeptic. Skeptic. And that is like being called a sulfurous dog from hell. (laughs) I wanted a a subscription to the Skeptical Inquirer pretty badly as a teen. The little Lisa Simpson I was. And she was like, oh, I don't know about that. Like, that's blasphemy to bring in the house, right? You know? (laughs) I definitely, um, as I had progressed in my, my own personal UFO research, it was always disheartening that some of the most famous images of cryptids and 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 uh ufo sightings and stuff like that turn out to be hoaxes everything crop circles like people th- explain how they did it and they come forward and they said yeah we did this and all the kind of shit and but when you're enthusiastic about that type of stuff as a kid it didn't matter if people came forward and said that they had conducted these elaborate hoaxes just to get some attention uh, because there'd always be just as a plethora of other just unexplained things. So someone like me, ten year old me, would have held on to your mom's story like it was keeping me from fucking falling off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. There's so many pictures of V shaped lights in the sky that you know in your heart 
are the lights reflecting off the bellies of Canada geese? Because it happens all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah. But that story, oh no, that was no Canada geese. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't geese. That wasn't swamp gas. That wasn't you know reflection of Venus or anything like that. You know, this is this is like fucking. This is fucking serious. This is like some men in black shit, man. Yeah. This is like fucking like black-eyed children man like you never know what's around the fucking corner man <laughs> sorry i was getting into yeah he was getting kind of a little scary there <laughs> yeah i wish that my mom was here to hang out with you because <laughs> we would have gotten along famously and here i am the skeptic right yeah <laughs> totally but totally. that's why this sort of stuff spoke to me we had the whitley streber things many books on ufos and you know, mm-hmm. explained in the house and this particular film was one that my mom was just salivating when it came out to see. And we watched it as a family. It scared the fucking shit out of me. And it's not only, it's not really even the most scary images. And, you know, I might have even looked away for some of those because they were pretty heavy duty for a kid. When I saw this, I think that this film, uh, at the very beginning, sets up the tone of the, the fear of these men uh, expertly. And I think that the initial sequence, uh, it and and it really is three scenes of of that high tension, and the rest kind of dev- I wouldn't say devolves, but the rest becomes more of a small town drama about the idea of did these men commit murder or not? But I mean, for those certain scenes they stick out to me so vividly and and i will even admit that when i'd watch, sit down sat down and watch this uh i was still feeling tense in yeah. certain sequences me too me too and it's not only leftover tension it's just a pretty well wrought story and mm-hmm. you know when in the beginning the opening scenes i i jokingly referred to uh jeepers creepers and a lot of the you know old truck bumping quickly almost like a chase scene at night through country roads uh but it is done where you can feel the fear of these men and we get to see those like three different renditions of that evening not different but different angles from that evening and it's all very tense and you feel their fear for real even though we don't really see anything no we don't see what they're seeing and we get to see a lot of through travis walton's eyes later on in the film but that isn't what his friends were seeing whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it's not even that they could have guessed what sort of terror awaited him. Just the idea of having something in the sky, this fire in the sky, these lights in the sky, this huge looming thing over them, completely unexplainable. And it's the unexplainable that is so terrifying to them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, and the fact that, you know, these men have to kind of reconcile what they think what they believed a second ago and what they need to believe now what they saw with their own eyes because these the, one of the things that I will say about this story and and honestly hearing Travis Walton speak in interviews and and uh, through the book and and everything like that this guy's case was so compelling because it it genuinely seemed like there were so many different people involved in it all telling the same story, nobody deviating, um, it seeming harrowing, but at the same time, no one seemed like a hero, like it didn't make anyone look good. 
You know what I'm saying? So it just seemed a lot more credible. And a guy speaking with absolute conviction that this happened and like, listen, sorry, I know it sounds like this, but this is what happened. I think when you you take uh, because even even the, the the standout supposed true life accounts of alien abductions are the ones in which people just genuinely seem to have nothing to gain, genuinely seem to be well-adjusted people, genuinely are acknowledging the fact that this sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. And but also there's just something about their stories where. You know, it's hard to really put a finger on like, well, that person, because I remember um, watching like a daytime fucking alien abduction show, and I can't remember what it was, but it was one of those daytime talk shows, and they had uh, Travis Walton on it, and me and my dad were watching it, and my dad just said, Jesus, like, like this guy, this poor guy has to sit here with all these other crackpots. Yeah, like, right? be, that's be, what it seems like. Yeah, I was like, all these people seem like crackpots, but this guy seemed like he was actually telling the truth as he understood it, right? And and and, and I think that like this this film, and I think the the reason why that was happening, it probably would have been in around 1993, because people would have had a, a, an interest in this guy and his story. Um, after the film came out, which is where I came in, right? Well, they're also declassifying a whole bunch of mm-hmm. uh, Project Blue Book stuff at that point, yeah. and it was all becoming um, public knowledge, and it was about the same sort of fervor that WikiLeaks granted us here in the common era. But in the 90s, we had that and Alien, abdu- or alien Autopsy was hitting Fox, right? <laughs> so everyone, uh, aliens and UFOs was on the top, tip of people's tongues, and they were... Um, discounting a whole lot of Foo Fighter incidents and things like that. Um, And also classifying some as completely unexplained when I can't remember the exact incident, but it's the, the one incident of many armed forces, jet pilots seeing the same thing that this one particular evening and it being unexplained and them being very credible sources. So there's a lot of, uh, things being de- declassified, things being tossed out, things being complete hoaxes like alien autopsy, and via V, things being categorized completely as unexplainable, like Travis Walton's incident, The Hills, uh, Whitley Strieber's incident, things like that. Did you ever see? Um, did you ever see the McPherson tape? No. So that was something that I was even considering us doing. Um, the McPherson tape, also in a, as an incident at Lake County, was this found footage horror film that they released as a documentary on TV. And it was supposed to be this was at, at um, a Thanksgiving dinner this fucking family got abducted by aliens and their house was sieged by aliens and then they they went missing. Uh, you know, and uh, you're talking about fucking shit that scared the shit out of me. as <laughs> yeah. a kid. They they re- they later in the late '90s did it again as they did a remake of it with yeah. some updated. It looks a hell of a lot better, um, and 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 shit. But uh, yeah, like the those are like the standout like alien things. Because I was like that total. I was like totally like fucking like dib from Invader Zim. Like I was just that kid like watching like fucking uh what was that show uh factor fiction with like jonathan franks and like as a, which was basically just the 90s in search of <laughs> what and nemo not doing it anymore and and i would just like fucking like watch that like ripley's believe it or not and like all this fucking shit and 
And so, man, when this film came out, I was just so enamored with it. And I remember watching it the first time and it scaring the shit out of me and then having an opportunity to watch it a second time. But I didn't finish my homework at the time. And so my dad made me fucking like go into go finish my homework before I could come back and watch the movie. And I remember like trying to like get through it really fast and I could hear the TV playing. I was like, oh, I got to get I got I wanted to get back to like watch that. The scene. The scene. The scene. scene. You know what scene I'm talking about. But, yeah, but fuck all that. What's this movie even about anyways? It's um, The Matrix meets Brokeback Mountain meets Jeepers Creepers (laughs) with Terminator 2. The T-2000. It's like, why is Terminator 2 coming? Where the fuck does Terminator 2 come in? We've got Robert Patrick, man. We do. We've got... Every like a lot of these actors, I recognize, but I wasn't sure from where. Uh, the guy that plays David Whitlock, Peter Berg, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's directed a lot of stuff and some really cool stuff. But um, he was in Twenty One Jump Street, which was like a a childhood thing of mine. Oh yeah, for sure. The original Twenty One Jump Street, not this horrible comedy movie that. No, uh, I remember the show. Yeah. I knew of the show. I never actually. Johnny Tap- Depp was in it, and that was the big claim to fame. And Don DeLuise's son, oh. uh, whose name I can't remember, but. Um, this Peter Berg was in it as well, which is pretty cool. And we had Craig Schaefer, who I did not even recognize as Boone from Nightbreed. Yeah. I had I looked that up because I was like, where do I know this guy from? But yeah, some Nightbreed alumni. And quite a few other actors and actresses that you'd recognize here and there. But of course, Robert Patrick as yeah. the number one standout recording this film around the same time that he was Terminator 2. Yeah. It's like, it's you, Patrick. You are the Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Which I guess, man, now that I think about it, that is kind of like a play on words, isn't it? Because it was just like, it's like, oh no, th- th- who's that? He's like, he is the Terminator 2. Yeah, <laughs> Terminator 2. <laughs> Which makes it almost like a buddy cop film. Oh my God. Yeah. S- but he looks so fucking different in this. He really Especially by does. the end. Like, it's a great study in his range as an actor mm-hmm. watching this and Terminator 2 Judgment Day back to back yeah uh, he does a very very good job as, as Mike Rogers the best friend of Travis Walton um, we were also turned on to watching this by and we've already plugged it once but I'll plug it again the uh, Generation Y podcast mm. did an episode on the Mike Walton on the Walton incident and I highly recommend listening to that and watching this film back to back and then go to the library like me and little Wes did when we were kids and learn all about aliens aliens. and get terrified that you're going to be abducted. Well, it's okay because what you do lids, here's my, here's my special Wes, Chibi Wes going to the library formula. Okay. So you get your UFO books. And then you also check out one of the Garfield uh, compendiums so you can like read some UFOs, get scared, read some, you know, Garfield as a cool down. As a cool down. And get hungry for lasagna and go <laughs> scarf some of that. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and what is this about? This is Travis Walton and his uh, five other friends. They were all in a little, like, like a logging crew. They were, had been hired to go out and, and pull out dead wood and deadfall and cut down trees that were going to fall and that were no good for logging. So to make some room, I think, for loggers is basically what they were doing. They were a normal crew. Some of them got along, some of them didn't. Just a bunch of working guys in there for a couple weeks to do this big fucking pain-in-the-ass job. And one night, they were driving back and saw what looked like a fire in the sky. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a fire in the sky, Lids. 
It was an alien in the sky. It was an alien in the sky. And the rendition of this um, fits pretty well with all the descriptions. The story of this film is, you know, you can say based on a true story. It depends on your level of of suspension of disbelief when it comes to aliens. If you're a hardcore alien kid and believe, then it is a 100% true story. If you are a hardcore skeptic that doesn't believe this, that that understands that a lot of his injuries and recollections are in line with somebody who was struck by lightning, mm-hmm. and a lot of what the atmospheric conditions, you know, sort of fed into the whole theory that he was simply struck by lightning, which I don't believe, but it is a believable explanation. If you really need one, it's still in line with what they reported happened. And this is the sort of talk that gets me in shit with my mother, so... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Apologies to the grave. Well, I'm here to scowl at you. Oh, good. Through She's dusty proud of you. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Skeptic. But it is very scowl much in line. At what they saw and the way that it is reproduced on screen is perfect. Mm-hmm. I think that what the, the 90s was such a, a strange, such a strange decade with this hyper focus on aliens and alien abduction and because it was everywhere not only were there it seemed like endless documentaries about the subject this movie comes out travis walton's case and and a bunch of other cases that hadn't really been talked about since the 70s the 60s day i was born since 1970 it happened about a month before i was born well 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 it's 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 fascinating when the the 90s because like the 90s like Little Green Men, X Files, fucking all of this shit going on, like the the that the image of the Greys was on fucking tie dye T shirts. It, it it had almost it had replaced in the nineties the the happy face on tie dye. Yeah, you know what I'm true. saying? Like it was just this. It became like this image of psychedelia. How many fucking times did you see some weird stoner with like a a gray alien with a joint in, in its fucking mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was really, really a weird time. And I think that people just got really caught up with this with this UFO stuff. I know I did. I think the X-Files, you really hit the nail on the head with bringing up the X-Files. I think that that was really part of the I want to believe crowd. Um, and even though it didn't seem apparent that maybe sometimes Scully smoked a joint, but that mixing it with the Timothy Leary sort of ideas of aliens and weed and where drugs came from. And if mm-hmm. an alien came, all you'd have to do is smoke a doobie with them. And yeah. And we were, encro- we were encroaching on the millennium. And, and so people were like, well, the time for aliens is now. Yeah. We're going to be visited and, and we're all just going to get fucking wicked high with these little green bastards. That's what people... And the alien uh, Jesus theories had yeah. really hit. And I don't know if, um, like, there was a lot of these history TV stuff that had become quite popular in cable television networks to do, you know, to fill time, I guess, with a lot of these documentaries. And there were a lot of them coming out. Oh, yeah. And a lot of Eric Von Daniken's Chariot of the Gods, he finally found a whole new audience in this day and age on TV and documentaries. Because before that, it had been a lot of very dry papers and all of his books. So he was finding a whole new audience at the time. But um, 
Not amongst the people involved in this story in the 70s. These were not alien kids. No. Maybe one of them, the, the younger guy of the group who was reading National Enquirer, but who didn't read National fucking Enquirer at That's the true. Everyone loved Bat Boy. Yeah. Bat Boy was my hero as well. <laughs> so, like, it's it's not odd to have one person who might have picked up a fucking National Enquirer, but these guys were not alien fans not only were they not alien fans they weren't really as you said fucking friends like some of them were were friends but they weren't thick as thieves and you had basically a bunch of men who had nothing to gain fame and fortune they didn't take fame and fortune i mean they did their they did their circuits but it's not like it's not as egregious as some people who are trying to milk shit for everything that's worth. I mean, listen, they did get a movie made, but I mean, it wasn't until fucking years later. Yeah. And and I think that um, what, what this film really conveys in that that opening sequence in the bar is just um, the different ways that they're attempting to process it. Like some people, you know, Dallas is uh, knows what he saw, but is nothing but if not practical. He doesn't. This is a person that doesn't respect or or trust authority figures this is a person who doesn't think that anyone's going to believe them and so we would rather just leave bye i don't want to fucking have anything to do with this you have other people you have a 17 year old kid that's like too shaken up to really fucking talk and they're all looking uh to mike rogers uh for leadership and you know he's basically just shocked and he's uh, stunned and the big thing that we learn from these uh guys early testimony when they're talking to fucking the sheriffs and shit, is that they left him. When he got hit by that light and he flies backwards, everyone thought he was dead. No one left the truck to go and check and they just drive uh, and they just drove off. They were fucking terrified. And you yeah. can sit there and be, I would have this, I would have that. There was the only point in watching this where they get most of the way down the road and most of the way out of the forest and Mike sort of comes to and thinks oh shit i have to go back and mm-hmm. and look for him and he tells everyone to get out of the truck and the character that is playing david whitlock seems galvanized he doesn't know what to do mm-hmm. and i was like i would accompany mike back yeah that's the one place where i finally did say what i would or wouldn't do because all of us are also privileged here on our couches to be able to tell people in films what they would or wouldn't do or shouldn't shouldn't do At that point, though, when they're still in the forest and that light has hit them and there's this red light in the sky and this giant glowing, crackling fucking thing hovering above you, I think, I'm pretty sure that the fight or flight is going to kick in. I think flight is going to be what wins. And I think that's all that happened there, right? Like, terrified. They were terrified men. And this is played so very well in the film because they are grown men looking absolutely terrified we're not even really shown much of what they're seeing, but they're clutching onto one another and screaming. And th- this is coming off of a montage of these dudes just being manly fucking men. Sweaty just chainsaws. Sweaty chainsaws and blue jeans and flannel. And eating my apple with a knife. Eating your apple with a knife. Shirts off, sun's out, guns out mentality. I'm sorry. I didn't. I'm sorry. Yes. And and 
and there's a lot of testosterone in these scenes, particularly between uh, Walton and Dallas. You have guys that are at each other's fucking throats. You have um, even in the car ride up there, they're like almost coming to blows. But even all the other men have like their own conflicts with each other. This guy's music's too loud. This kid's excited about fucking his National Enquirer. Everyone wants everyone else to shut the fuck up and stop fighting. Um and then you have people shoving chainsaws in and their Mike's faces. Mike's cranky because his wife's a bitch. His, yeah, his wife's a fucking colossal bitch. And you you have all these moments going on. And then cut to you have these men screaming and, and uh, like you said, clutching at each other, pulling each other like they are toddlers. Yeah. Yeah, so so scared. It's done so very well that mm-hmm. they are independent, autonomous, tough men that can be reduced to this mm-hmm. by this fire in the sky, this colloquial fire in the mm-hmm. sky. Um, the the bravest of the bunch is the most unfortunate of the bunch, and that's Travis Walton himself, who I think, without having said in the film. It's just like, oh man, an alien, I can't miss this. And he gets out of the truck and he stands underneath this ship and stares up at it and sort of has this look on his face like, hey guys, look at me. If they would have been in this age of cell phones, he'd be saying, take a picture because this is so cool mm-hmm. until that light hits him and blasts him back like 12 feet. Mm-hmm. And I want to say a lot like a lightning strike because regardless of what it was or was not, it looks like a lightning strike. So if you haven't seen this film, you're not a UFO person, you don't know the story, uh, that's basically what it looks like happened, is that a white glowing light came down from the heavens and lightning bolted him back 12 feet. So it's not a wonder they would have thought he was dead, even if they would have thought it was a lightning strike, which it, they know from seeing the, the ship or whatever in the sky, it certainly was not fucking lightning. It certainly wasn't. But how would they have known he's going to survive that? So when Mike comes to and he drives back to the scene, we don't get to see this, but he searched and searched and didn't find a thing. And then went back and picked up the guys on the side of the road and drove immediately to a bar. And it's sort of told piecemeal because we see at the very beginning them barreling through the woods and through this brush road, um, running another cube van off the road. And then they pull into this bar and single file, like dead men walking, file into the bar, sit down, and make a phone call to the police. It's them walking into the bar that is just so touching and so realistic. There's a lot of things in this movie that are heart-wrenching. That's one of them. The next is when they find Travis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That doesn't come after uh, a little bit of a witch hunt. It is a little bit of a witch hunt. I, I, I want to uh, back up a little bit to your uh, what you said about Travis, why he got out of the truck. Um, I, I think it is he does have that mentality that you were talking about. Hey, man, an alien. Look at me, Ma. They allude to it briefly. Um, Mike refers to Travis, you're, you're a dreamer. That's why you're not ready for marriage. That's how come I like. You know, my little sister doesn't take you seriously and, and, and why we shouldn't take you seriously be, uh, because you are this dreamer. And I suppose when someone says someone's a dreamer to me, um, a dreamer to me is someone who doesn't believe in something that's in, like doesn't believe in the impossible. Everything is possible. If, and so that's a person that sees a UFO and says, aliens, great. Uh, I knew it all along or or I'm willing to accept it. It's like if a person went to this guy and 
said he was a time traveler, he would, well, maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe he's a time traveler. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, uh, like, I'm glad they didn't lean in it too much because it would have, I, I would, uh, would have hated there to be lines like, you're always looking up to the stars, man. What do you <laughs> think's out there? Like, I, I'm glad that they didn't do yeah. that. Like, he was like some weird, uh, sort of like, But he was a a loving, trusting, a little bit of a hippie type guy, too. Because he was like, nothing can go wrong as long as we work hard and believe in ourselves. And that was his (laughs) attitude going out underneath the alien fucking spaceship. He Mm. had obviously never seen Mars Attacks. Because I would not be going out underneath the spaceship. Because I've seen Mars Attacks. I know what they're after. I know what they're like. Assholes. (laughs) That's a, first of all, good pull. Um, Anyone that brings up Mars Attacks is a fucking hero in my heart. Um, second of all, uh, I, I, uh, I definitely agree with you. Like he, he almost has like this, I'm invincible mentality of, of, of a young man, of a young puffed up testosterone fueled kid. And I guess when you go through the ranks, like, yes, the youngest, one of them is 17, but the oldest is 28. Yeah. And that's Mike. Who's like the grizzled realist. Yeah. Right. right? It's like, yeah, 28 years old. This guy has just seen it fucking all. He's the boss and he's married and he drives the truck and he's 28. Wow. He's 28. What a child. His, his truck has a chain on it. Lids. That's not something that you give a boy. That's something you give a man. He was sharpening the chainsaws too. Yeah. Safety first. Yeah, exactly. Safety he's first. like, you want this thing to buck up on you? No, but in all seriousness, um, I, I suppose that like they were all pretty young. Most of them were in their early to like twenty, fucking twenty five. Like Dallas, who also seems kind of old. He's twenty, supposed to be twenty five years old, right? Yeah. So like, there's, but uh, again, like I think that Travis just didn't have a sense of his own mortality. Didn't think that anything could possibly go wrong. And I don't blame those guys for leaving him one fucking iota. No, especially if whether they thought it was an alien being has blasted their friends with a light ray or it's lightning or whatever it was, whether they could explain it or not, they were fucking scared. Yeah. And I was like, for all I know, he, that light was still on him when he was collapsed into the, the ground. For all I know, the second I fucking reach into that light, well, I'm going to fucking... Go to, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, like you literally have no fucking idea what you're dealing with. You don't know what that light is. You don't know what that ship's capable of. You don't know what's inside that thing. No. <laughs> all you can hope is that you can drive fast enough to outrun it. Yeah, really, I love that, that se- sequence when they're all scared in the truck together and they're all hollering over each other and they're just driving and they they don't know about like is it chasing us is it following us and i don't know and he's like telling him to stay down in the truck and oh, and yeah. shit like that and he's just like eyes just peeled on the, like they're not even taking the roads he's driving over the fucking brush it's terrifying and done very very well so that's about the first half hour of the film is mm-hmm. us seeing them escaping this mm-hmm. being and then recounting their story and it is tense it's very tense and then you know in the, in the next half hour it is this witch hunt where everyone in the town doesn't really believe them because how could you especially when they're coming out of the forest one of them is missing there had been some tension so a lot of people want to point the finger oh this is a murder including the sheriff's well not the sheriff himself the person he hires who is just fresh off of a fucking homicide case so he's got murder on the mind and people dealing with Alan Dallas would assume that he may be capable of this sort of violence, even though he's just a, a confused and up, 
tight youth, right? Really, at the end of the day, he's a little bit of a... Who's that guy from Walking Dead that everybody likes so much? Daryl. Yeah. Bit of a Daryl. He's a bit of a Daryl. So I can see why those fingers got pointed and no one took a moment to really believe these guys. And it took them quite a while of like polygraph tests and town fucking meetings and bullshit. And still no one really believed them Um, because it was six guys went into the bush and five guys came out. Which really is the only fact that everyone can agree on. Yeah. Now, I think that they do a wonderful job here in this witch hunt portion of the of the movie because it must have been what it felt like to be these guys. Mm-hmm. Because we as the audience have seen through them what has occurred. So we know that they're telling a truth. Even even if you don't believe in the actual incident, let's forget the fact that it's based off of a true story. Let's just focus on the fact that we watched a movie where these literal events unfolded. Yeah. So we are now having to listen to all these people call these men liars and and say that you killed your friend out in the woods. The Mike's own fucking wife doesn't believe him. His sister doesn't believe him. Fucking Travis's brother doesn't believe him. And 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 we have a real organic sense of this town. Everyone calls each other by their fucking first names. Oh yeah, everybody's like, grown up with one another all of their lives, yeah. and everyone is pointing fingers at these guys and don't believe them and want them to tell the truth. Yeah. Even though because we've sat along with them for this entire story, we know that they're telling the truth. So it makes us a little angry too as viewers. Oh yeah, and I was. You know, chastising myself because I'm like, I can't sit here and say, "Ooh, they've made this too dramatic," and this portion, the witch hunt portion, which we're calling it, uh, is just turns it into a drama. But it fucking is, and it would have been. Mm-hmm. It would have been a very dramatic scene in that town for those five days that Travis was missing. Because there's your spoiler alert: Travis yeah. is gone for five days. But like, you had asked while we're watching this a very good question is how do you think this would have unfolded if this were to happen tomorrow in this day and age where maybe people are a little more open to something like an alien abduction or where people could um not as readily flip the script on this into homicide Mm -hmm. or are people more murder-minded what with all a true crime things going on or with the fact that oh he had five days to cook this up uh, out in the bush or they wanted attention where it's so easy to get attention in this day and age mm-hmm. there would be so much attention but would it be one of those things that is the height of novelty for three or four days while everyone talked about it on twitter and then it just the interest dies down or would they be making a movie about it almost 20 years later yeah i i really think that when we were discussing that you had pointed out rightfully so that we live in a world which everyone has cameras on their phone, like video recording equipments. We have like instantaneous access to all information, and those videos could instantaneously spread. So the guys would probably be pulling out cell phones, recording fucking videos, um, either literally pointing them at Travis as this was happening, or um, perhaps like they're authentic, like screaming into their fucking phones, like this just happened. Blah, 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 blah. And then that would have been on Twitter. And then it just fucking expands like uh, threads of a spider web, right? Yeah. Um, It'd be really interesting to see because we don't get high profile 
alien abduction stories like we used to. There was a real boom of them in the 1960s and 70s and going into the uh, to the early 80s. Uh, and then the 90s was really regurgitating a lot of the stuff that had already broken years ago, um, like the alien autopsy, Area 51. Um, you know, I had mentioned Betty and Barney Hill and uh, the Travis Walton case. Uh, these are the types of things that were, were getting um, just endless documentaries. about. It's like, you know, you can always do a, a documentary about these people. Like you can always toss out another Bigfoot documentary. It's not hard to do. Yeah, there were a lot of lights over Nova Scotia and Washington State. Too, exactly that, like totally at the opposite ends of the country but there was a lot of sightings that maybe didn't culminate in a full-blown abduction but yeah. there was a lot of fucking sightings and they all the same sort of time the sightings over the navajo desert and stuff like that so and not only that but there's so much shit these days that is so much easier to fake not only did you point out rightfully that we have fucking drones the size of fucking like the small car that can be flying around these days that or being able to like quickly discount something we're driving along see a fireball in the sky of all fucking things which Mm -hmm. would have scared our caveman cousins yeah as much as these men were scared driving through the forest and right away i pull up my phone and be like oh yeah there's meteor shower and they say that there's like it's a really low meteor shower and Mm -hmm. a lot of these pieces can turn into fireballs bonus not scared anymore Mm -hmm. (laughs) know exactly what that is where in this day and age we were sort of on that cusp of technology where people could capture these things but not use that same technology to explain them away and we have technology that can make doctoring photos and videos incredibly easy even people with rudimentary knowledge of uh, about that kind of stuff can make things that if that can't if if video footage that we could make now could end up in the 80s people would just be like yep aliens are absolutely real there'd be no doubt in anyone's fucking mind because there'd be no conceivable way like how how did you do what do you mean edit a photo like you know what i'm saying like they're like you needed to really know how to do that type of stuff now technology like my phone can make me edit things in a way that I you would. needed a dark room because yeah. back in the 70s if somebody said Wes edited this photo they'd be like well where what dark room did he use and it's yeah. like Wes doesn't have a dark room well then it must be real yeah i was like i don't know how to fucking do that i need like tubes and beakers and chemicals to like fucking doctor photos <laughs> and shit and it's just not possible uh, uh back then to do it like with any degree of reliance or regularity so like already, while while we're dealing with the, with hardcore skeptics, Scarlet S is all that, or the the, fucking... the big believers with a capital B from afar, A F A R, psychical researchers, you know, um, yeah, they're aerial phenomena. Yeah. They're basically MUFON, which is the Mutual UFO Network, mm-hmm. and I would love to be a card carrying member of MUFON. What a great way to just like totally alienate yourself from like anyone that you're talking to (laughs) sun's out puns out yeah um completely although they are a vehicle of skeptical inquiry i really like them Uh, these guys from afar seem to be kind of the opposite um yeah it doesn't help that the guy shows up with greasy hair and a fedora and glasses looking like a fucking indiana jones villain where he's just like "Mm, i can help you like just take the card take the card yeah and he does and the guy really just doesn't like just has like all like these weird questions we'll get to that in a minute but this this portion of the film i think it really comes to a head when uh they they suggested the the men take lie detector tests, which they did in real life, mm-hmm. and 
this comes from the fact that like Mike basically at a town meeting where everyone's just like, what about the children type things? Because a lot of townspeople not only think that these men committed murder and dismembered this person. I mean, they've conducted searches and they're just like, we're looking for body. Well, that'll be, I need you all to grab your corpse handling gloves and, and all this kind of shit. Um, they 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 don't like the media attention. The fucking town is crawling with reporters right now. Everyone knows that the people are saying that this guy said that his friend was alien, like was abducted by aliens, and the town is not even. I was gonna be like low key. They're not even low key. They are blatantly mocking them for this ridiculous story with the same. But there is a degree of. Um, seriousness to it because the 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 truth they believe is that uh this alan dallas person who has a criminal record who which includes aggravated assault with a weapon killed travis who this uh dallas kid openly admits he did not like him uh tries to cover up the fact the fact that they had a physical altercation yeah big whoop though because the biggest question among all that is, so what? If Dallas did kill him, why is everyone else covering up for him? Who were Travis's friends? Yeah. Who's best friends at that? Mm-hmm. So there, there, there's no explanation for that. Even if there was a fight, that ended in death. There's no explanation for their concoction of such a story and the fact that they'd be covering up. So you right away have to throw that baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. You have to. Just like lie detectors. So Dallas failed his lie detector test. Well, it didn't fail it. It came back inconclusive. Mm-hmm. But he's a fucking edgy dude anyway. So it's pretty easy to confuse a lie detector. Very mm-hmm. easy to confuse a lie detector. If anyone's going to fucking confuse a lie detector, it's this guy. Because yeah. he's basically made of battery acid. So, like, <laughs> it's not going to fucking work. You can see that when he walks in the door. The fact that everyone else's came back as they were telling the truth. What they say they saw, they saw. It's true lie detector doesn't actually work in that this actually happened it's that they believe what they're saying mm-hmm. that's what it means but for all the rest of them the other four guys for it to come back conclusive positive yes they believe in what they're saying just backs up dallas's as well in my mind because he saw what they saw they all believe what they saw that's th- something they all agree on so what happened happened period but still, people assume that they're murderers. You want to know a fun fact about the lie detector? Mm. Invented by um, w- uh, William Moulton Marsters, who, in- who was the creator of Wonder Woman, uh, who has the lasso of truth. Oh, lovely. Yeah. It was, he, he created the character of Wonder Woman and then later uh, invented the polygraph. I like this guy. <laughs> I like this guy. He's cool. Although... Yeah totally fallible this it's totally fallible i mean the, the, the lie detector like you know what it is when you say a polygraph test that's one thing when you say it's a lie detector that tells idiots that this is like this infallible piece of technology we know now that not only is it not infallible like it is so fallible that it like lie detectors do not hold up in court they can't be used in, in any sort of like legal system whatsoever it's just basically like or what is it sodium hydroxide is truth serum yeah it's not a truth serum it no. just kind of dopes you up like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. exactly right yeah they're not admissible in court anymore and yeah. at one time they were in the 70s you know i think they still were yeah yeah but that means good for them because that means if they pass their lie detector test 
that means that, well, as far as everyone there is concerned, that's it. They're telling the fucking truth. You know what? Who cares about the truth? The real truth? You want to know what the real truth is? Was when the fucking phone rings at midnight and it's fucking Travis calling collect from a gas station miles away. Man, this comes from a fucking... This comes from a scene where just Mike Rogers' wife is just a miserable human being. And I don't know if... In real life, yeah. Who, it, who like, knows? I don't but know. like, listen, and I understand that this is from the perspective of Mike, and you know he's been through this thing, and his best friend is is um, really worried. He's really worried about his best friend because his best friend's just gone missing, and everyone's accusing him of being a murderer. murder. And she is just where, like, where's our next fucking mortgage payment coming from? And like, I don't believe you, and I think that you basically, even though she's like, no, I don't, I don't think that you kill them yeah you do you yeah. definitely do you can't even convince because she backs all that up with just tell us what really happened and he's like i fucking did you yeah. horrible wench yeah like she's a super fucking bitch Ugh. so yeah it's really we're really feeling the height of that because he doesn't even know where he's gonna sleep that night and he's just yeah. trying to spend some time with his girls and she's standing there being a bitch yeah a huge bitch and Someone calls in the middle of the night. Calls collect. That's how you know it's legit. Yeah, right. You accept the charges. Um, it is Travis. And next thing we know, and I love this sequence. Uh, I love the sequence. We got um, Travis's girlfriend uh, and Mike. We've got Travis's brother. And... That's it, Mike himself. Oh, oh no. Uh, his friend, the glasses guy, church boy, did that. Oh, the church boy. David Whitlock. Yeah, and uh, David Whitlock. He's also there. And I like the fact that David has basically been by Mike's side the entire time. Like, I would assume that... I don't know how close of friends that they were initially, but they're definitely... He's like, no, I'm with this guy. Like, went to like, school together. Yeah, went to school together and shit like that. And then they find him in this fucking busted-ass gas station. First thing they do is call those Afar guys. Yeah, which is crazy to me, but I guess you know that no one believes you Mm -hmm. and if anyone out there wants to believe you it's these guys and maybe they have more experience which they have none but maybe maybe they have more experience with what to do with somebody who's just recovered from an abduction they find him cowering terrified bleeding bruised naked in the rain miles away alone so that's a pretty terrifying a position for anyone to be in. It's a very ty- terrifying position for Travis to be in, obviously. But for them to know how to deal with that, that's a, an incredible thing to put on people. They don't know who to fucking call, especially not these goddamn cops who've been doing nothing but accusing them of murder and are probably just going to whisk Travis away from them so they're going to get no closure and be no comfort to their friend who desperately needs comfort right now, although is almost incapable of even human contact. Oh, yeah. This is a heart-wrenching scene. Mm-hmm. Like, really tough in a way to watch because I just really get uncomfortable with the weakness of the human condition. Like, it, anyone can be uncomfortable naked and bruised in the rain. But this poor guy's been gone for five days and who knows what he's been through. It's not knowing that he's like a caged animal at this point. And that to me is very heart-wrenching, especially with the people surrounding him that want to help, that their touch have him 
like scream like a child that's being tortured. And that is so effective. It's acted so perfectly, especially the screaming. It's an amazing scene. And then you have these goons from MUFON, basically, shoving microphones in his face, being, how many of them were there? Where did they take you? Did you go on into space in a ship? And it's like, ah, leave him alone. It's like they realize pretty clearly that this, these guys are basically just like fucking Star Trek nerds that are that are just like, do the Martians have two sexes? Like, yeah. <laughs> and there's enough screaming. There's as much screaming in this scene when they find him as there is when they were trying to escape the ship in the sky. Mm-hmm. It's pandemonium. It's terrifying and it's heart wrenching and it's scary. You yeah. feel the fear that poor Travis would have felt being absolutely. And and of course they bring him to the hospital after this this ridiculous scene. Um, it's where- so very Jacob's Ladder and like Dead Ringers almost. Just Dead Ringers, like, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he's having flashbacks as they're wheeling him uh, on a gurney down the hall of the hospital, like mm-hmm. you would with any patient. Yeah, he's having flashbacks of be- being wheeled down a similar hallway or dragged down a similar hallway by people that were absolutely not human in a place that was absolutely not a safe and sane hospital. No, um, and 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 as you had uh, pointed out, this this man has when they found him was just terrorized, terrorized in a way that you cannot uh, fathom. Like it, it seems as though you know PTSD to say the fucking least about the last five days of his life, and now he's sort of slipped into this weird fugue state where he's having a difficult time. Um, even really realizing where he is because he probably can't even believe where he is anymore. Like he probably can't believe that he's over. He has no real recollection of what happened aside from vague flashes. And this is the first time that we get a real sense of what these are and these things that had grabbed him and what the ship looked like. And the ship looks metallic yet uh, organic. It looks fucking filthy yeah um these things that grabbed him look frail and withered and sort of um sort of uh insect-like in their posturing but at the same time they look like shriveled up old people like it's like skinny ets or fucking um naked mole rats like something really weird like that i really do like the explanation in this when he is remembering what it was like being in the matrix Mm -hmm. Uh, when he is woken from this pod not unlike um a queen bee in a honeycomb yeah he encounters their spacesuits and he says to us thankfully to explain to us what he's seeing he says spacesuits yeah yeah it's pretty fucking ridiculous but as a as a alien nerd it's like oh my god this is the these are the grays this is why they look this way this is why they all look the same oh my god they're mm-hmm. spacesuits of course yeah i love that scene. most people would know what the grays are but that became like the common understanding the most commonly apparently reported alien um and you could argue that this is just through cultural osmosis people think that they see these aliens because it's got eyes and a nose because yeah exactly big um, head like a baby big head like a baby um you know even the 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 communion alien it looks a lot like that because the communion alien is like a pinkish uh not exactly gray but um the but yeah the spacesuits would explain why they all look alike why they appear gray because 
they can't really survive in our atmosphere, perhaps, or perhaps the suits are for a vacuum space because he can breathe while he's in the ship. So it must be, they must have oxygen or, or at least enough for him to survive. It's hard to say. I mean, it's a miracle that he survived. Some people don't because um, I think it's kind of miraculous. And, and I also had wondered if he didn't escape that pod, would it have just been five days? Would he have been gone indefinitely? Would he have died in that pod? Was Not that like his pod neighbor? Like his pod neighbor? Did that person get experimented on and tossed back? Was it a crapshoot? Was this experiment happened to be non-lethal, and when they didn't need him anymore, they tossed him back? There's all kinds of explanations that 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 I would love to have, but you know, there's no sense of it, right? Because again, this is fragmented memory pieces that this guy has been trying to cobble together, and 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 it leaves me as a viewer like just very. Like, what happened? Like, would was there another reason why they let him go? Because they don't seem to have any compunction with letting you just rot in that fucking pod. No, and I think it was just that um, coincidence, many coincidences where he managed to make it out. He managed to survive it all. He managed to not be the sort of test subject they wanted. And he managed to be nosy or gutsy enough to annoy them to the point that they let him go i don't know and for his explanation uh i don't think they just i think they just didn't like me very much yeah i mean it's possible the fact that like he was a very stout hearty manly working man like we're not talking he didn't have like a schwarzenegger body but he was like a very like rugged dude like perhaps like a north irish yeah yeah like like perhaps he was um like just too like fighty for them right like yeah. you know what i'm saying like it's hard to really say and i mean he was fucking hollering like crazy so i don't know maybe they're just like this guy's loud we can't we can't deal with this kind of shit or maybe he just kept one guy got kicked in the face he was just like i didn't like that because one of the things that i will say about these aliens i mean they don't look particularly tough no and it's sort of a trick when they you know he's sort of scrabbling to escape and they grab him and drag him down a hall and it takes me a minute to realize that they're not inhumanly strong they're in low gravity so of mm-hmm. course you can just drag a body down a hall like, they could be mm-hmm. no stronger than a four-year-old low gravity and it still took two of them to, yeah. to fucking drag this big dude and he looked like he was a lot bigger than them now they had this high-tech fetish latex back bed Jesus. that they put him in. Yeah, I mean, this is the birth of some someone's fetish. I, I know, I know. Um, Trent Reznor, I'm looking at you. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, it is straight out of a happiness and slavery video. Like, it really, truly is. <laughs> A wonderful scene and it, this is a sort of thing that i must have looked away as a child i can't see myself sitting through all of this but hey maybe i did i didn't I, I remember being scared by his hand on the membrane when he's first breaking out of the matrix that they have him in um this either didn't scare me or my mom patiently explained it all away they're doctors lydia they're just doing a little experiment you know like when you go to the dentist <laughs> and i'd be like oh yeah this this definitely has things that uh, freaked me out as a kid. It I, freaks people out. You don't like the dentist, right? I don't like the dentist. Do you like eye trauma? Uh, and eye trauma doesn't really bother me. But the I'll tell you, this fucking gooey eye thing is like, I don't like that either. But one of the things that I will say is that in 1993, I was like hip deep and having braces. So 
Um, I would go to the dentist uh, pretty regularly at this point, and this apparatus they shove down his fucking mouth reminded me of the same apparatus that they use to not only spread your cheeks, but like when you're getting your braces done, they chuck your fucking mouth full of this molding uh, goo. And so like that entire sequence, I was like, I felt like I had fucking lived that sequence obviously not as horrible and then they just put that like spiraled cable and you know that it's like basically going right down to his i don't know if that is to like allow him to breathe while he is this experiment whatever it is taking a sample or or, yeah or like this is going into his stomach we don't fucking know it's not much different when they pump your stomach even in a normal hospital it's about that that fucking friendly and just like to this day i don't like even when i'm just getting my teeth cleaned like i don't fucking like going to the dentist i've i've i let them know i was just like uh, just so you know I can get fighty. So um, I remember my dentist last time uh, complaining. He was like, you have a very strong tongue. And I was like, uh, I was like, oh, do I? And he's like, yeah, you're, uh, you're, you're pushing my hand out of, out of your mouth. And I was like, I didn't even realize that I was doing it. But I just don't like yeah. the dentist. It freaks me out. I love the dentist. <laughs> I do. I like it the best when they put the light right in front of your face and on the edge, if you know, in case you didn't know, uh, on the edge of it is usually um, reflective. So you can watch what they're doing in your mouth in the edge of that light that they have in your eyes. Oh, they have to, they put sunglasses on me and they, um, they got to play music. I, 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 I wrote it on my thing. I'm like, just so you know, I'm fighty. Yeah. Like I get, I get twitchy. I've known someone that punched a dentist totally against, you know, she didn't, she's not a punching fighting person, mm-hmm. but the dentist freaks her yeah. out. But, um, I don't know. I know um, Luke from Brian Torture Cast doesn't like the eye trauma very much. So I don't think he'd like this goo in the eye. But and watching what he's going through, anyone could sit through and act to this scene. It's not that bad. But put together, put with the music, put with what you've already known he's been through. And the screaming Travis, we know that this results in. It is so fucking terrifying and effective. And still to this day, like I was like fucking sitting there. I'm like, I'm okay. This is fine. I know this movie, but I was like getting tense. It's just the fucking, this horrific machine that they're fucking hooking him up to. And you're just like, what is this fucking for? And the fact that, you know, they, he can't move. He's sucked down in this back bed of some sort of latex type material, or who knows what alien material it is that looks very very rigid super super tough he cannot move and it looks like it maybe hurts when they tighten it in yeah i i was like i I wonder if it's heat don't know it's it's or if it just hurts or if he's just freaking out crazy mist falls on them and then this vacuum seal bed thing that he's laying in tightens up i don't know who knows i'm not an alien don't look at me man i'm gonna be short and have big eyes it's the first time (laughs) it's the first time he genuinely seems scared one thing that i love about this uh i wonder if you're with me on this is when they're dragging him through the hallway he gets to the section first of all these aliens never fucking sweep their floor no second of all it's got almost like it's like a fucking like paraphernalia graveyard like serial killer refuse or what you'd find outside the firefly farm exactly it's almost like that fucking like a bunch of old cars covered in a tarp yeah type thing glasses and shoes shoes and just books there's like there's there's debris from how many humans that they have taken and they strip them all and they seem to just throw the 
fucking clothes and that stuff just floats there. I mean, what the the glasses that looked like they were from the fucking forties, like old horn rimmed uh, lady glasses, yeah. right? So like, who knows when all of this? How long it's been there? For. I fucking love it, and that guys is why we're talking about this movie because this whole scene, what he went through, and how we know he ends up after or immediately after anyway uh nothing really equates this very short scene where he's being hooked up to machines and we're having some sort of probe approaching his eye he has something down his throat he is tethered to a bed Mm -hmm. it's it's scarier than any saw movie yeah they fucking put that weird bolt like right underneath his ear and they just jam it right in there. And and the image of him with the metallic uh, device, fuck whatever it is, over his eye, his, the with the latex over his face, the, the slit to allow the tube in his mouth, the tubing in his mouth, and him just looking terrified. And uh, this uh, D.B. Uh, Sweeney guy is acting the, so scared, so effectively terrified in this moment that you're just like oh my god like this is this is when you're a kid or fuck even adult if you have the slightest issue with like the idea of aliens abducting you and what they might do guess what it's fucking awful yeah it's worse than mars attacks i will admit (laughs) at least mars attacks you turn into like a gooey skeleton immediately i'm sure that hurts for a second yeah but this this dude like this was the beginning of the nightmare this we didn't even see everything that they did yeah I, i like don't think for a fucking second he was sedated through any of this no yeah horrible Absolutely fucking horrible. These are the sort of nightmares that people, when they're given drugs in the hospital, really heavy-duty painkillers, these sorts of horrible visions can happen. But yeah, he had cuts and bruises to prove it. When they find him, marks on the sides of his eyes are just terrifying. Yeah, because um, there's more damage to his body uh, to indicate that more stuff had happened. And like you said, like even just the idea of like somebody touching him like terrorized him to the point where she's screaming so like that that gives me an image that like they conduct this experiment and fucking toss him aside and then they come and get him later and so that at the last so every time someone he feels hands on him that means that another experiment is happening whatever the fuck they were trying to figure out anal probes obviously anal probes that's what aliens do this much we know this is the one thing collectively that humans know about aliens anal probes love the butt stuff yeah they do they are very <laughs> into the butt like I tell you what uh Lieutenant Waters wants mm. answers, answers. Lids. He fucking rolls up. This is like the most asinine. If you didn't hate this guy already, the most asinine fucking shit is like him doing a stupid like cop talk. Where oh, was- it's bad enough that Travis gets out of the hospital and there's reporters and town folk outside the hospital. But moments later, the, His, cops. the, the cops are just like, so was it worth it? Ah, you're a big celebrity now. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, if I was Travis, like, and I had, like, the right mind about me, because, like, you can't blame the guy for just, like, you know, I'm just stunned right now. He's shell-shocked or whatever. Um, I would just be like, uh, so all we know for sure is I've been missing for five days, and even if you... Have I broken a law here? Get the fuck out of here. I know. The only law I can think of that could have possibly been broken is an unnecessary search and rescue, so they'd have a bill for, like, five grand or 25 grand, depending on what it costs to get helicopters to come out to look for your friend who wasn't missing, but that is usually when somebody, like, 
purposefully does this as a joke. They didn't purposefully um, report him missing to get search and rescue out there. And I'm pretty sure that was still the case in the 70s. I don't know what's the case now, but like I don't know every law in every state either, right? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that if there was anything to quote-unquote get them on, it would be that. But no fucking murder was committed. No, there's no real harm mm-hmm. here whatsoever. Like, it's a terrifying incident all around. So what the fuck do the cops want? I don't, I don't get it either. No fucking idea. But I'll tell you um, what Mike wants. He just wants his buddy back. He visits him in the hospital, and then he lets him in on the secret um, that he was left. Yeah, because I guess, well, Travis wasn't really aware of anything from the time that he saw the light. He probably doesn't remember a hell of a lot of that, but he was a little taken aback. He was like, well, you left me? What do you mean you came back for me? For you to come back for me means you would have left me. You left me. Yeah. yeah. I- Which he doesn't even seem that ang- angry about it, but... Mike doesn't take it very well. No, it's like it's talking about turning on a dime in the middle of a scene. Like he's just like, "Hey, man, so this is what's going on, and this is what's going on. Sure, it's great to have you back. Me and my wife aren't getting along, but are we ever? Ha 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 ha! What do you mean you're mad at me? Now I'm mad at you. It's very um, <laughs> adolescent, but also very um, sort of stunted man. Partially, but it's also, I think, just a symptom of that that fucking high drama this man's been living for five days. The the high drama that he's been living for five days also, you know, like what Travis went through isn't exactly a fucking bucket of sunshine. But at the same time, you know, Mike doesn't really have a full grasp of what he went through. But he does know that. um, And also the extreme guilt that he already carries, the last thing he needs, what he wants is for him to be like, he needs Travis to be like, it's okay, I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't get that. He gets like a sort of like, I'm looking away from you now, like you can go now. Um, and so I'm also in a half coma. You yeah, know? Yeah, Fucking yeah. side note, asshole. But this causes a, a rift and, and as the movie's wrapping up, like if you have like waters just like, when these boys slip up, I'm gonna get them. I'm like, oh my God. Not only did you, not only was there not a fucking shred of evidence that Travis was ever murdered. It, all they said was he got taken by aliens. Weird story, I know. But no <laughs> one said that he was dead. Um, they just said that they didn't know where he was. You made them do the lie detector test. They all passed except for Dallas, who didn't fail. It was inconclusive. And then, like, and, and then Travis fucking comes back. And then you're just like, well, I'm going to get these boys. Like, fucking, what is wrong with you, man? And... I don't know. It's it's pretty crazy. I will say that um, uh, throughout the the, the the Travis returns, the, uh, most of the movie is wrapped up because like he's got that party sequence, which is, seems like bad idea for oh, me. Super bad idea. Yeah, we don't see uh, and like also uh, what I find interesting is you can tell that this is based off of a true story because like characters sort of like enter and exit the story in a way that like like we never see that afar those are far guys again like they have two scenes you never see dallas after the uh the, you know the the lie detector sequence because if he wasn't obviously he wouldn't go to a party where where travis was and like and he's still sort of laying low at mm-hmm. this point who knows at this point he must have he was just a, a rambling man so he's probably got another job somewhere he does yeah. return in real life mm-hmm. at the year that this movie was made they all or three of them retook their lie detector tests and passed and passed yeah so at the very least what we have as the story um as the movie wraps up is just like 
because uh, like Mike and Travis have like an awkward like dude bro it's alright after two and a half years it's not quite an I can't quit you it isn't back quite mountain a mountain <laughs> scene but it reminds me a lot of one yeah Robert Patrick looks, looks pretty crazy with his super long hair and his beard and everything like that almost yeah. unrecognizable mm-hmm. um, but uh, you you have this sequence between these guys and again like when I was going back to like stunted men these are guys that are like you know in that moment the most honest portrayal of emotions that we get from people like this like just like small town manly men in the 1970s was that moment where they were terrified of this alien abduction and the rest of it is all kind of like they don't really want to talk about things they just want to forget about it and and you know the you know mike is just really bad at articulating himself um and so we know that at this point, you know, Mike has divorced his wife and he's fucked off. He's just basically like... Mountain man. He's, he's like a hermit. I'm a hermit now. Yeah. And, and that's what I want. I want to be away from everybody. And, uh, you know, Travis is now married to sister and uh, has kids and more kids in the way. Just like doing the, the, the baby factory thing in, the, in Snowflake, Arizona or wherever the fuck. Yeah, Snowflake, Arizona. And, and, and then we get the wrap up and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. A terrifying few minutes. It really is. But it sticks <laughs> it with you to the point that we saw this movie when we were kids. Scare the shit out of us. We counted it as a fucking horror movie because it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's all it takes with an effective movie. And it's got impeccable acting. Mm-hmm. Really impeccable acting all around. A very well-wrought film. And for it to be in early 90s is mm-hmm. kind of astounding. We were lucky enough to rent it on itunes and it's a really well done really well shot movie with really good sound Mm -hmm. almost totally forgot because i was so young when i watched it just how expertly done this film was Mm -hmm. it was really nice to see it again i watched this movie a bunch of times in the 90s because once it went to the movie network i would watch it as much as often as i could when it was on um i I will say that for our regular uh stuff that we listen or we watch for the show it definitely seems like one of the larger departures but i maintain that this uh five minutes of film within this picture is as terrifying and it is uh, as anything that's in any fucking horror movie and it is expertly uh set up by this uh, by the the opening sequence the the men recounting the abduction sequence and then Travis's uh, account of what happened after he has the meltdown of the party. It is wonderful and expertly wrought entirely, and that's why it makes its way into this show and stuck with us. Also helps not kick off a huge spate of, but leads into our next film, which is Dark Skies. And people count that as very terrifying as well. If I could stay on some extraterrestrial stuff, I think we'd probably do The Abyss, but I don't know what's next after that. Mm-hmm. But next is Dark Skies. Have you seen Dark Skies before? No, I haven't, but I've heard lots of good things. Mm-hmm. I watched it on Netflix as just a kind of like, a, oh, what's this? Uh, Carrie Russell? Yeah, all right. I'll watch this fucking hell, like alien abduction shit. Very fucking fascinating film. It's very... Um, it could be a haunting movie. Yeah. Like, it, it comes off as that, and then it's like, oh, BT-dubs, though, it's aliens. Very fucking interesting shit. And, uh, yeah, and you get uh, an expert. Oh, good. Yeah. Like a library scene? Uh, yeah, you basically get a library uh, in scene. In the house? It's like in, a library scene to go? 
in <laughs> in a house. Um, it's 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 really really cool flick. I think I remember after I had finished watching it, I was like, I'm impressed by this. This is very good. And um, I'm so I'm interested to hear or to yeah to hear your take on the movie if you yeah. like it or not. I've heard that it's surprisingly scary. So yeah, that's what I'm, I definitely I'm excited about. I like scary. I like surprises. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come as no surprise. Show's over. I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air. Keep watching the skies. The truth is out there. Da-na-na-na-na-na.